technology shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today, and we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we live and work in the future. Coming up... In this new agile, the network's changing, AI and ML are making decisions, closed loop, extreme automation, the network is living and breathing and changing all over the places. The need for investments in those security departments and people and expertise is, is needed. You're listening to The Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series. wireless will become as ubiquitous as the electricity flowing through our walls and just as critical to our day-to-day lives. The high-speed, low-latency technology capable of handling a million devices per square kilometer will change our lives in ways we're only beginning to understand. From autonomous vehicles remotely controlled by virtual drivers to edge computing for augmented reality and video games, 5G holds great promise. But there are also great security risks that must be addressed. Service providers can slice the network into pieces that give big customers from self-driving car companies to video game makers a chance to be their own mini cellular company with a dedicated network to run their proprietary services and software, opening up a host of complexities that dwarfs the rollout of 4G or any of its predecessors. But if my autonomous vehicle is hacked, my assembly line sabotaged, or my video game character pwned, trust in 5G will fall. To discuss how the industry is going to overcome these concerns, I turned to Nokia strategist Simon Osborne. We started by discussing the issue of trust. It all comes down to digital trust. You're right. I, I think it's trust across all the relationships, right? So it's the relationship between the customer and whatever they're using, the application, particularly in, in 5G and, 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 and other industries, right? So if 5G and network slicing is part of a business model that supports um, robotic factories or autonomous driving or online gaming, um, if, if security is a reason why it doesn't work, then trust is broken on, on every single of those touch points. If the network has been compromised within the service provider, they've got an issue with trust as to who provided that infrastructure. If the, uh, the tool sets that are used on the OSS and the VSS and the orchestration platforms that are making real-time decisions using AI, an ML to change the infrastructure, shape the infrastructure, personalize the infrastructure, move the infrastructure, move it from the core to the edge to meet latency and and certain expectations around the business models and the customer experience and things like that. If again, if if that that fails, trust trust becomes um, a real issue across the board. Um, so I, I think I think you're right, and I say that's the way I see this problem space. Um, and it's important then that, that we that we understand what are the, I guess, the high touch points that could really impact that relationship and make sure that we, we lock those down, that we understand them, and, and we work with our, perhaps with our 5G um, partners, particularly the ones that are trying to build business models, to say, look, what, what are the areas that you need to make sure are solid? Um, and, and we work with them to, to find the, the, the resolution to it. When I look at security on 5G, I get the impression that it's it's the issue is almost bifurcated. You've got 
security related issues for the network itself. And then you would have security related issues for the communication service providers with what they're doing on the network, whether it be network splicing or what have you that uh, this is a big road to hoe. It is. That's what makes it interesting, is that, it, that it's really a, a, a redefinition of what security means for, for the service providers. And I think they, they've come from a world where, where often security was managed by, by just putting up the walls, right? And <laughs> putting a, a walled garden around, around their infrastructure. It was theirs. And, and actually getting access to that was, was pretty tough. And, and they tended to, to own the processes sort of end to end. And, and I certainly remember in, in my early days of my career, um, the, the thought of, of the network or even any of the infrastructure close to the network being connected to the internet was just never going to happen over my dead body. And, and suddenly we're shifting to this, to this world um, around the sort of 5G era and, and sort of SD and NFB where the amount of software um, in the network is is increasing dramatically, and, and by definition, that software is almost open and, and connected. But the problem for for security is 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 really quite quite considerable for them. And and you're right, it, it starts to become um, for themselves. It's about security, securing the infrastructure. But for their customers, it's about trust. Right. So it's about how are they able to. Um, make sure that their their customers can can trust them as a service provider, and, and and trust goes a long way towards creating that 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 relationship and that long term sort of um, model that they that they need to to, to to make money in this business. So so it it, it is interesting, and it's not static. The, the problem the problem isn't a one time problem. The, the, the issue with with security and trust across this across this infrastructure is something they have to keep on top of. They, they can't just simply use the, the the process of the past. Security isn't a box, something that you buy, no. plug in, stick on a shelf, and leave it. This is a constant process. It, it is. It's it's a mindset. It's a mentality. It's understanding that the, the vulnerabilities in the infrastructure are, are far greater than they've ever been. Tell me why that is. is. Is it a function of the fact that 5G towers, there have to be many more of them than the towers that we're already accustomed to, and therefore you have more opportunities for ingress by a hacker or a security threat? There is a density issue. There is a, an issue here where what is technically the edge, what is technically the network, what is technically um, that, that point of opportunity um, for um, ingresses is far greater than it's ever been. Um, but I think it's also a, a reflection that you've now just got considerably more software touch points. And, and, and software, by, by definition, is, is, is more able and, and perhaps more risky, I guess, to to, to finding those vulnerabilities. I mean, we see it every day. I mean, we all see we're having to upgrade firmwares um, almost daily for, for various vulnerabilities and attacks. And and I think we're shifting away from boxes with flashing lights to virtualized applications, virtualized network functions, residing in cloud and infrastructure and data centers um, where those those exploits or those vulnerabilities are far greater. And I, I think it's just simply a result of the amount of software in the network 
uh, shifting from from tin and metal uh, of the past, and and they cut. It's almost. Um, impossible to create that sort of walled garden, sort of we, we keep a key to the door type approach. It's, it's just not going to work in the SDNFE world, right? And that has to do with the fact that we have in 5G something unique, which is the idea that you can slice a piece of the network off and allocate it specifically for any given client to do their own virtual a mobile network operator more than anything else. So you've got the issue of whatever they're doing, that has to be secured as well. No, agreed. And, and I think, I mean, if you, if, you, if you look at some of the security models of the past, it tended to be, um, okay, I've, I've configured my network in a certain way, so I've basically got a, a, a build model I've, I've got an understanding of how it should be so all i need to do is i need to monitor any discrepancies from that that gold build right um and that was a way that you determine whether there'd been any any potential security um sort of breaches or or ingress that that wasn't um appropriate in the new world with virtualization by definition you're deploying infrastructure applications functions on demand the amount of agility in the network, the network is almost alive, right? So the amount of change in the network, the amount of um, uh, sort of configuration change, instance change, whether you're scaling in, scaling out, the amount of, of sort of change on the, on, the, on the network is far greater. So you can't simply manage against some of these goal builds. So I, I think the, the problem space is, is bigger. The, the, the flexibility and the uh, configurability or the, the automation of the networks that are needed, so extreme automation in, in the infrastructure, um, makes it more difficult to spot what is, what is appropriate change and what is um, a change that's been done by a third party, right? And um, if I remember from, from the past, I mean, if... If for security reasons you wanted to, to put a sort of intercept on a, on a line or a circuit, you, you, you essentially had to be in the network. You had to connect the, 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 the ports you needed to, to do this. But in, in the software world, it's going to be a lot easier, right? And, and who knows whether an application being deployed in the infrastructure is approved or is a, a rogue entity um, is, is going to be difficult. And, and if you extrapolate the... The idea of, of 5G and working in vertical industries and network slicing, and you look at even the potential that the service providers open their platform up to allow third parties to deploy their own applications into that infrastructure. Um, it, it makes the, the problem space of what is legitimate and what is illegitimate um, really quite challenging. And I can imagine it gets even that much more complicated when you do cross-slice visibility where you've got multiple pieces of the network allocated for different clients and those two clients need to talk to each other. You've added an additional layer of complexity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the, the level of potential conflict across these sort of completely virtualized um, service chains is is really quite quite profound, um, but I think it, it comes to, to this idea where the, the tools that are needed just need to be smarter. So again, if you look at 
the infrastructure and you look at this really fluid dynamic uh, environment where you can deploy things and and you can make these service chains of these network slices sort of on, on demand you, you've also got this 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 idea where um the, the software that's been that's been deployed it's almost being driven by itself. You've got a higher degree of, of AI and ML, right? And, and you, you see in, in the industry today, you see, I mean, Elon was just talking about it the other day, right? Where, I mean, he, he has some some serious issues around AI and ML because it's driving these autonomous decision-making, right? It's driving these tools to sort of make decisions themselves. So that's why I say it becomes more than just security. It becomes trust. You, you've got to trust that the machines that are deciding what to do and are basically configuring, defining, changing, shaping, personalizing the network and the infrastructure, particularly within 5G, are doing it for the right reasons and haven't been um, essentially in, in, sort of infected with with some ulterior road motive that, that, is, that is creating uh, an intercept application in every service chain and every network slice to, to relay data to wherever, right? And so, so seeing what's legitimate and seeing what's rogue is uh, is going to be a problem. And then you've got the ultimate issue of, of what do you do about it, right? So even if you can detect these anomalies and detect that that's not right, I need to, to, to prevent that, you've got to be able to act. You've got to be able to create those those orchestration environments and those, those sort of response environments that, 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 that make the changes, lock it back down again, make it secure again, because uh, if, you, if you lose the trust of your customers, you're going to be in a, in a really bad situation business-wise. And I can imagine that's exactly why you need to harness artificial intelligence and machine learning, because service providers with their existing security tools receive a massive volume of of alarm bells that go off on a constant basis. And that's just under the 4G operations. You add 5G where you have the ability to slice and dice the network up for various clients so that they feel like they've got their own little world. You've got uh, edge computing technologies tied into the network as well. And then you've got the latency uh, dropping through the floor. So things can happen that much more quickly. Um, you've got to sort of step back and allow artificial intelligence to go through these this insane volume of alerts so that you don't get that alert fatigue and something slips past no absolutely i think ai and ml are, are both a cause of the security problem and a tool to, to resolve the security problem right there. no it's like beer yeah. <laughs> to alcohol the cause of and solution to all of life's problems they're on, they're on both sides of the equation, right? And um, and I think it's if you look at the processes of the past, um, network devices and, and network infrastructure didn't appear by by osmosis, right? I mean, there was there was a design process, there was a build process. Infrastructure was put into the network. I mean, one of the, the biggest issues around around security was was really whether people were changing configuration of a device, not whether a device was there one day and gone the next, right? I mean, I know in, in some parts of the world there, there was clearly issues with, with, with cards being stolen and stuff, but in, in the 5G world, um, truly network instances can, can exist for a few minutes and can go the following minute, right? Um, so knowing what's, what's, what's valid, what's legitimate, knowing what was connected to uh, a purposeful sort of event that was initiated for the right reasons is, is going to be is going to be really quite uh, quite challenging, and and we we certainly see um, 
a woeful um, investment also by some of the CSPs in in their their security departments. Right, I, I think they the the investment in security was was from some of their previous sort of um, uh, models and processes and, and expectations around how security works. In in this new agile, the networks changing AI and ML, making decisions, closed loop extreme automation, the network is living and breathing and changing all over the places. Um, the, the need for for investments in those security departments and, and people and expertise is, is needed. So it's not just the tool sets, but it's also the, the recognition by our customers that this is a problem they have to get on top of. I understand part of the solution to addressing all of these issues has to do with the implementation of the SOAR model. Explain yeah. to me SOAR, security orchestration, analytics, and response. Yes. So I think it's um, it's a recognition that perhaps security um, in the past was, was really around, okay, let's, let's manage against um, um, build standards, gold build. Okay, somebody's gone and changed the config from a base. So there's, there's, a, there's a base model, and we can sort of then just look at the, the actual model and generate reports and see where there are discrepancies and, and file off sort of trouble tickets, and then people can go and say, oh, yeah, there's a problem here. And, um, and in some cases, it's, it's a true security issue. In some cases, it's, it's just a bit of sloppiness from a, from a process perspective. In, in the new world where um, the network is, is far greater as software percentage than it ever was, SOAR is, is a way of being able to monitor that infrastructure, be able to drive the, the, the data models, drive the, the, the algorithms needed to, to sift through the problems that we've just discussed. What is legitimate and what is not legitimate? What are, what are fingerprints or triggers or patterns um, or signatures of legitimate behavior and what are patterns and signatures of, of illegitimate um, sort of behavior. And, and once you're able to notice that, then then actually a lot of the, the, the CSPs and, and the companies to, to maintain that that trust with their customers, they're going to be measured on, on how quickly they can respond. How quickly can they resolve those issues? How quickly can they make the steps needed to uh, isolate the, the security issue, uh, and then rectify that security issue, and and that is is needed in viral automation and extreme automation. You, you can't do it by hand, right? You, you can't have a situation where uh, certain functions have been exploited, and you need to then do a mass rollout of of change, or you're going to need tools. So, so is a is a way of of a defining and understanding it, and then being able to say, okay, it's happened. And I need to be able to do something about it, and I need to be able to do something about it quite quickly. Um, you could argue um, that uh, orchestration is, is an overly used term in our industry at the moment. I mean, we, we orchestrate everything, or we, we're trying to orchestrate everything, right? Right. I think recognizing this as a set of use cases around extreme automation, and it's needed to, to maintain and manage that, that sort of trust balance that they have between their, their customer base and their infrastructure. Uh, I think it's, it's necessary. And we're going to certainly see more and more um, companies, CSPs, investing in SOAR um, infrastructure and, and tools and chains, uh, tool chains to, 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 to do that. And, uh, and clearly with, within Nokia and Nokia software, we're putting a lot of 
lot of investment in our in our SOAR capabilities where where we feel that having this this understanding of the network and the infrastructure and the implications of cloud and hybrid and how all this sort of comes together uh, gives us a really sort of strong understanding of of being able to, to, to deliver those tools right Tell me about those tools, particularly the artificial intelligence and machine learning tools. Uh, where do those tools come from? Do they come from a, a Nokia? Do they are, are they the responsibility of the individual communication service provider who adopts 5G to, to bring those types of technologies on board? And then at the end of the day, who's responsible for ensuring it's not a black box and that when we get a response by the AI to a perceived security threat, that we understand why we, we, we understand uh, the the algorithm behind it so that we can make the necessary changes if in fact it wasn't the right call <laughs> so um you, you touch an interesting point i mean i think whenever it comes to ai machine learning i mean these, these tools are, are learning as they go we're, we're learning in this space i saw is, is is reasonably a new technology for, for everybody and i think the rollout of, of 5g is 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 um, central to, to developing this technology. So we're working with with our own technology, but also with our customers to to, to sort of establish those patterns, to establish those signatures. Um, but it needs to learn. It needs to be tailored. And, and you could argue that if a lot of the vulnerabilities are uh, aligned to um, how open the infrastructure is, um, they they could tailor quite dramatically the, the, the sort of the scope of the problem. So, for example, if a, if a, if a CSP is is opening up their, their network and essentially using it as a sort of innovation platform and allowing anybody to deploy anything, then, then clearly those security profiles and those tools chains and things like that, they need to adapt. They, they need to be flexible. We need to be able to change them and model them and learn and things like that. But if it's a network that is that is a bit more traditional, then then clearly we can provide those those tools and those signatures and those models uh, sort of out of the box, and we can leverage some of the learnings from 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 the past to sort of do that. But I, I think it's um, an industry sort of collective to to sort of get the best practice first and, and understand those frameworks and tools that are needed to define the the, the signatures, define the the patterns understand whether it's then matched, then make the change. And we can get those tools in place and then we can use AI and ML to, to tweak it and learn it over time, then then it should be uh, should be quite an effective tool that we that we, we use together. Right. Um, and uh, I think I think that's important. I I think there's always a question mark over um, uh, national security as well. Um, so I mean, we're talking about securing the, the network and we're trying to give trust to our, to our customers, but there is always that need for uh, for certain parts of the world and, and, and more so than others in some countries to have legitimate right purposes. So SOAR isn't just about uh, being able to understand problems and fix them. It, it, it also potentially becomes an environment where you're deploying security monitoring and you're deploying those sort of assets when you need to, right, uh, for, for, for many reasons. So there's always been that balance in this industry. Uh, so uh, I think that's relevant as well in this space. There's certainly a blurring of the boundaries of networks and there's certainly a blurring of uh, of where the edge is and where the edge isn't. Um, so I think there is... Uh, 
there is certainly going to be a need to um, uh, identify um, uh, legitimate breaches and ignore legitimate breaches <laughs> um, in, in certain environments uh, of where the edge is and where the edge isn't. Um, so I think there is uh, there is certainly going to be a need to um, uh, identify um, uh, legitimate breaches and ignore legitimate breaches <laughs> um, in, in certain environments. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the, the telcos uh, solve that problem. And back to the whole idea of the, the edge computing side of the equation, <laughs> the idea that we're going to be seeing new technologies, new services that we can't even imagine today because we're just learning what these new 5G tools really are all about. But at some points, we're going to be having servers on that edge of the network accessing um, the internet broadly on the, the, the one side of that wall, but on the other side of it is that, that wireless component to it. What's the biggest concern about putting servers on the edge uh, that give people this high-speed, low-latency access? Are, are those the ones that we're at most at risk versus the actual infrastructure? CSPs need to find a role in their market that is more collaborative with their partners. I, I think the idea that they own the network, they own the services, and it's just simply a, a sort of push model that it's always been to, to the market in a sort of mass market consumer sort of way. I, I, I don't think they're really going to thrive in that model. So, so for me, opening up their infrastructure and opening up their network and their their essentially their, their platform to allow people to innovate with um, is going to require a level of openness to the internet and openness to APIs and openness to microservices on a much broader uh, level than, than they've ever really experienced in the past. Um, that could be at the heart of, of where their business is in the future. Um, but to, to your point, it also is the biggest challenge they've got because there's, there's a big issue with liability and there's a big issue with, with, with um, confidence. So if you're going to allow people to deploy applications out the edge, for example, that are embedded within a, within a network slice, so you're creating a service chain that has got service provider functions as well as third-party functions, and by definition, it's connected to the internet. Um, there's, there's a huge opportunity for exploit there. Um, and so there's going to be this interesting need where the CSPs are not just securing running infrastructure, but they're, they're going to maybe having to provide tools and certification processes and, frankly, even sort of uh, exploitation and um, um, rectification type tools and processes and services so to allow that ecosystem to happen. So it, it's not just about securing a running network, it's about how do you secure, certify, give approval, uh, sanction deployments of, of other tools. And, and I think the edge is at the heart of that. I mean, it's almost a catch-22. It, it's at the heart of how do they create new business models for themselves but it's also the, the biggest vulnerability risk that they've got. Um, and 
and that I, I think is is a is a complex problem for them to solve um, because it it tugs at the fundamentals of of what the telco is um, and what they what they want to be, and and you certainly see with um, companies that are that are perhaps more um, established in the platform business where they spend a huge amount of their capability on, on protecting what goes into their platform. Um, that's their front line of defense. That's where they are able to control because they, they recognize that if somebody puts rogue software into their platform, they, they, they are partially liable, and, uh, and that, that could be a big, big risk for them. That's a fascinating point that um, the network service provider, the, the, communi- the communication service provider, would be held liable for a, a security failure by one of their, their customers, one of their clients, one of those companies that may be slicing uh, the network or, or just adding a, a server on the edge so that they can do you know, gaming, streaming, or, or what have you. Um, I wonder how much of this is, is public perception as an issue, that if something fails, if there is a security breach on a 5G network, who's to blame? Yeah. Yeah, and then particularly when you, you start to look at the infrastructure as well, which is often then going to be highly virtualized. It's, it's not like you can point to the box and say that's failed. But, um, so identifying where where the issue is, um, who is to blame, who is liable, um, is, is part of this trust. For me, security is broader than it is this whole trust paradigm. It's, it's trust that the service provider can trust their platform, that their customers can trust the service provider, um, that the users of that can trust. So it, it's all of those aspects. Um, and I, and I, I doubt that we've really got to the bottom of this yet. And I think at the moment we're, we're looking at, okay, how do we... How do we establish best practice? How do we establish, how do we leverage some of the processes of the past to fit this new world? I doubt we're looking at the, uh, the, the, the scope of the, of the bigger problem just yet. See the future. Listen to what's next. Read about world-changing ideas. All by visiting futurhythmic.com. The Futurhythmic podcast with Michael Hainsworth is a Nokia original series.